Live from New York, it's unfortunately us. Welcome everybody to the 54 podcast. Um, today we have a couple interesting things. Um, I think it's there we go. I believe this is my first solo episode, which is interesting. It's kind of um, going to be fun. It's going to be fun. I'm on my own. <laughs> and on the 54, we're doing a brand new thing, um, which I've kind of been wanting to do for a while. I just haven't had the opportunity uh, to do so, which is every week um, we're going to be suggesting three primary songs um, that we added to our, you know, our interests, I guess. Sorry, by the way, my room's a fucking mess. I don't know if you can tell. Uh, you can. You can clearly tell if you're watching this on video. Um, but I essentially, um, we're doing this thing where we recommend three songs um, that uh, we find interesting and that we uh, discovered throughout the week or at least something that we just generally like. Um, so today, since it's just me, I'm going to be making all three recommendations. I have them saved on here, but I want to make sure that, you know, everybody kind of gets an opportunity to listen to this music, even if you've never heard of it, or if you think, you know, it's overplayed, whatever the, whatever the case may be, uh, it's music that we enjoy. We just want to spread the love for it. So, um, today's recommendations are going to be the ghost song by Jim Morrison and the doors which is part of an American prayer. It's an album that came after Jim Morrison's death um, in 1971. The album, I believe, is from 1976. I'm not entirely too sure, maybe 75. I might be overshooting that or undershooting. I honestly don't know. But Jim Morrison is still on that album, even though he was dead. He recorded the uh, lines, uh, I believe, in 1969 or 1970, um, and they used that to make the album. Um, I want to recommend the song Weirdo, uh, by More Fatter. It's an interesting name. And it's actually a pretty good song. I discovered it recently. It feels like a, it's very happy-go-lucky. I kind of like it. So you should too. That's kind of how it works, isn't it? I recommend something and then you automatically love it. <laughs> and then the third song is The American Dream is Alive in Mexico by Mood Beach. It's another little happy-go-lucky song that I uh, quite enjoyed. And, uh, you know, I just think that we should... Uh, Spread the love for the music that we enjoy. Let other people enjoy it just as much as we do. So that's what I'm doing here today. Kind of. So uh, welcome to a brand new episode of the 54 podcast. This is episode two of the second season. Um, or it would just be, I believe, episode 15, I believe, uh, chronologically, if I check correctly. I'm horrible at my job. <laughs> let's Let's check here. Yeah, it would be episode uh, 15. Okay. So there you go. Um, I wanted to start this episode off and I wanted to kind of do it on my own simply because sometimes it's hard to get everybody on in the same on the same schedule. And, you know, it's just good to talk about shit sometimes. I, I, I love talking. It's kind of my thing. <laughs> That's why I started a podcast. So here I am. Um, doing just that. And I, I wanted to also, you know, discuss some of the things that are going on in the world today. 
uh, whether that be you know in the world of entertainment or in the world of um, of politics, uh, whatever whatever the case may be, I, I like discussing uh, what's going on uh, in news, so to speak. Um, so you know what's been going on lately with Israel and Palestine um, has been the primary subject of the news, and it's really there's no way to discuss this topic without someone getting upset about it. So, but truthfully, um, I, I, I don't, I don't give a shit <laughs> about, um, I don't give a shit about what people think in regards to this problem. Like what they think about me in regards to this problem. I want to be able to discuss it openly and, and actually have a productive conversation. And I think this is very important primarily, um, I, it's important because there are people's lives at stake. People's lives have already been taken um, on both ends. Uh, but Israel is clearly the colonizer in the situation. And they have been for decades. And I had an argument with a buddy of mine over this because he doesn't see it that way. Um, and it's on Twitch if you want to see it. It's kind of a problematic argument. <laughs> but it's it's there if anybody's interested in you know seeing someone... Uh, on the opposite end, argue for the other, um, the other point. So I, my perspective is a little different. I think that you know the Palestinian people have been abused for decades uh, by the Israeli government, and the Israeli people, and I, well, the Israeli government. I don't want to pin it on the civilians of Israel either. Um, but it is, it is kind of a, a, a very detrimental issue at the moment. Um, it seems like things are just constantly getting worse as the years go by. Um, you know, and it hasn't been years, it's been years since the last time that a, uh, an, uh, an attack like this happened. Uh, but I don't know if it's been as, um, as persistent as it is at this moment. Um, we have, there aren't as many casualties, uh, civilian casualties as there were uh, during the previous one, I believe there were 1,600 civilian casualties in the last conflict between Israel and Palestine. Um, with this one, uh, I believe the numbers are still being counted. <clears throat> um, so it's people should be able to spread awareness about this problem. Uh, but I also think people should research this a little more heavily instead of just seeing what headlines say and you know basing your entire opinion off of that. Um, I, I still agree with most people on social media and on the internet that are, you know, talking about this issue, which is most people seem to lean in defense of Palestine. I'm in that boat as well. But I, I think it's it's important to understand why that should be the case and why you should defend Palestine rather than just blindly accepting that that's the case. Um, I think it's very important to be informed and to really understand this problem in and out, especially if you want to try and... and um, and uh, perpetuate the new stories uh, behind this. So go out there, inform yourselves. Um, it's it's too long for me to dissect on this podcast. I'm gonna be I'd, I'd be here for four hours just talking on my own, and nobody wants to <laughs> hear me do that. So, um, but it is it is a complicated issue, um, and it's something that roots back decades. So you can honestly just go down a rabbit hole. Uh, on the internet, on YouTube or whatever, and just research this heavily. Um, I've been listening to 
uh, old videos just to kind of see how perspectives have changed over the years. And I've been looking at uh, Christopher Hitchens talking about this and trying to understand, you know, what the um, what what the public's perception on this was and how it's changed over the years and and how it's progressed. Because um, I would say that people are definitely more vocal about it currently than they were 30 years ago. And, you know, we have the Internet to thank for that. But even the last um, conflict, which I believe was in 2014, nobody really campaigned this much or I guess spoke out as much about this current situation uh, as they are now. And uh, that's, I guess, the benefit of, you know, our generation being in the age group that they're in at this very moment in time and um, wanting to uh, wanting to be able wanting to spread the word, you know, um, I think all young people at a certain age um, throughout history uh, are the most politically active individuals. Uh, I mean, just look at the 19, late 1960s um, during the love era and most of the people that participated in that kind of, um, in those protests and whether it be the civil rights movement or, or the, um, or the, uh, the anti-Vietnam sentiment, it, they were mostly uh, young individuals. Uh, people in their late teens or just teenagers in general uh, going into their 20s. So it's kind of a repeat of that, um, although obviously it's the factors are very different. But it's, it's, uh, it's kind of in conjunction with what we've already considered familiar. So I, I, I think it's interesting to uh, look at this and, and see how many people are actually... Um, trying to actively make a difference, and it, it does actually warm my heart to see my my fellow um, generation actually going out there and and trying to make a difference. Um, so it it does paint a a um, a picture of accountability for my generation going forward that we'll be able to we'll actually care about issues going forward and and try and get legislation that's important to pass through you know we are this is just kind of history repeating itself but i'm glad that uh the cycle hasn't broken yet and that we're actually still trying as a as a species sorry i'm just fixing my mic here i always forget what fucking direction the mic's going in horrible at my job <laughs> but um aside from that we also do have i mean other things to talk about you know relating to the entertainment industry and and whatnot um i mean recently the golden globes have been out basically just completely canceled which i didn't expect to see i didn't think that something like that was actually going to happen uh, but I guess it was it was inevitable, you know. I was um, I remember when the last Golden Globes that Ricky Gervais was um, was hosting, he uh, he basically just shat on the the Hollywood Foreign Press the entire show. And for those that don't know, the Hollywood Foreign Press are the guys that organize the Golden Globes. And you know, he basically called them a bunch of racists on stage, like literally just said that. And uh, you know, he's not entirely wrong based on what I've seen. Um, it's it it just seems like he's 
he was kind of trying to tell everybody like, hey, these guys, these people are fucked and they're probably not going to be uh, legitimate in too much time. Um, but it's interesting because um, he he kind of just basically outed them and, and now we're, we're in agreement. We're like, oh yeah, these people are horrible. They are clearly anti-diversity uh, given their history with um, the nomination of specific actors in films. And on top of that, they they seem to just do things for the benefit of the ratings when their show's being broadcast, which now NBC, which NBC, so for those, again, that don't know, NBC normally broadcasts the Golden Globes. They are not doing it anymore. So the Golden Globes doesn't have a broadcast partner anymore. So they can't broadcast their show, but they they make a lot of the their decisions based on uh, what will get them ratings. And so, for example, back when The Martian was being nominated um, for all its uh, accolades, they nominated The Martian for best comedy <laughs> because they ran out of slots in all the other um, in all the other categories. So they put it in com- in the comedy section, and truthfully, it was everybody knew that they kind of just did it to get Matt Damon to be there. Um, it's a joke; it's a running joke, but it's it is true. There is an ounce of truth to that, and uh, it's it's um, I don't know. Good riddance to them, man. You know, and I think the Oscars are next. I actually enjoy watching the Oscars, but I don't think they have a lot of steam left in them either. You know, it's it's interesting to see just kind of the crumbling of all these. Um, all these like perfectly orchestrated galas and events, all these like bourgeois uh, Hollywood events that have existed for decades. Everybody's kind of finally standing up and going like, why the fuck are we watching this shit? Like, why are we sitting here and consuming this as entertainment? Who wants to watch people get awards for two hours and, and say, and then pretend like they're advocates for these different causes and whatnot. Um, It's, it's such a it's such a contrived and orchestrated set of of events throughout when when these things go on and it's just not it doesn't feel organic or human and i think that's why a lot of people are losing that kind of appeal um for these kinds of shows so i think eventually they'll either have to adapt and change in a drastic way or they're just going to become a part of the past like vaudeville <laughs> but um and that might be the case that might be the case they may not really survive much longer i mean the oscars don't even have hosts anymore so they've been trying to change things but i don't i don't really know if that is uh helpful to their cause but it is an interesting thought and uh and i would say just you know good riddance to the golden globes nobody gave a shit in the first place <laughs> so we'll see who's next but in uh in the following news, we've also have, um, if I'm, let me just read here correctly because I want to be able to capture all my points here. But the CDC recently announced that um, if you are vaccinated, you no longer need to wear a mask. Goody two shoes. Look at you. If you're vaccinated, you've done well, champ. You no longer have to wear a mask. Um, but uh, I. I didn't read into it all that much, so I don't exactly know how the that would go about. I don't know if you just if I'm assuming that private companies or just companies in general, they don't have to be private. Uh, 
or they don't have to be by that I mean they don't have to be private trading companies but um if if the comp if that specific organization still demands that you wear masks inside of their um their premises then you must as far as I know you can't just walk up to to the manager with a vaccination card and be like look I'm good <laughs> so I'm not entirely sure where that applies. I guess maybe most government government buildings and and um, local government buildings. I mean, I, I assume now if you can prove that you're vaccinated with one of those vaccination cards, you could probably just walk around without a mask and it shouldn't be a problem. Um, <clears throat> but I don't exactly know how it applies outside of that spectrum. I don't know how... I mean, it's clear that we're starting to see the rollback of a lot of these mandates, um, but I don't exactly know when it is that it'll completely and one hundred percent be pulled all the way back. Um, but it's it's getting there, and I, I'm glad that we're kind of getting to the end of the pandemic to an extent. Um, obviously, the coronavirus is just going to be an aspect of our lives now that we have to deal with, just like any other virus. Um, you know, we deal with it we learn to adapt and and we uh we put up measures to make sure that uh that um the the vast majority of people don't fall ill or or are killed by uh, a disease like this so you know was the last person you heard that was uh, killed by the bubonic plague i mean it still infects people but you know it's not not exactly as deadly as it would have been back in the 1300s (laughs) So we uh, we're in the process of figuring out how to adapt to this new disease and protect us from it, and eventually, hopefully, it'll just be uh, something that we don't even think about anymore. But in the meantime, it's uh, it's always important to remember to uh, be safe, to wear a mask if you haven't been fully vaccinated, and uh, remember that you could still carry the virus on you even if you're not, um, even if you are vaccinated, because the virus can still hit your right on you. If you are, if you come in contact with it, um, and you can give it to other people, so uh, be careful. Uh, regardless, you know, wash your hands, do everything you need to do, and you know, within the next year to two years, I, hopefully things start to, um, hopefully things finally come to a uh, a, a normal uh, pace again. But it's it's a good little, it's a good step. Um, it's a, it's a positive step in the in 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 the change that we've we've been wanting to see. So I'm glad to uh, to see that this is uh, this is going in the direction that uh, everybody kind of wanted to. Um, and it it makes me laugh because now all the conservatives that were saying, well, you know, Democrats wanted want to keep these mandates going on forever. Yeah, you can um. <laughs> You can shut the fuck up now. Thanks, man. <laughs> but um, you know, I mean, it's it is it is interesting that uh this it is an interesting time that we live in. And um and I'm I'm glad that uh that we that at least there's been some form of po- of progress as of late. Um but that's, you know, that's always great. That's always going to happen. What are you going to do? Um, I've also, I'm also a big astronomy guy. So I've been um, keeping up with space news as of late. And I don't know if there has been too much. Let's see here. 
So recently there was a, a paper, I believe. I don't know if it was a, a, a research paper or if it's just a general study that was released that was discussing um, water on Mars, which is something that people have always been talking about. I mean, since I was fucking born, everybody's like, oh, Mars, water, yeah, maybe. <laughs> it's always been kind of like the general answer. It's like a big question mark around whether Mars has water or not or if it did. Or... So we know that it might, it must have. But it's interesting. Uh, recently, they they released a study because um, they were looking at how it was that Mars must have maintained its water. Because the farther back you go, the cooler the sun is. So the sun, as it as it gets older, it gets hotter because it it increases in luminosity and it gets larger. And uh, you know, eventually, at, at one point, it'll I think in a couple of million years, it'll be so hot that Earth might just get scorched. Even though the sun is nowhere near death at that point, it's probably going to be too hot for us to even um, handle it. Uh, but following this logic back, Mars shouldn't have been able to maintain liquid water if it's farther from the sun than we are, and the sun was even cooler than it is today during the period of time that Mars would have had liquid water. So what gives? Um, and so the idea is that it's it was probably due to um, insulation, atmospheric insulation. So Mars probably, you know, had a thicker atmosphere back in the day. Uh, they probably had clouds and shit <laughs> like we do. Uh, but the clouds on Mars probably would have been a little bit different uh, because Mars does not have the same surface gravity that Earth does. Mars is smaller. So since it doesn't have as much mass, its, uh, its surface gravity is a little weaker than Earth's. And so the atmosphere doesn't hug the planet as tightly as Earth's does. The clouds are a bit more uh, high altitude, so to speak, uh, or were. So it's uh, it, so what we assume happened is that there was just a lot of cloud layers back in the day, um, basically covered the Martian surface uh, to an extent, and it, it it insulated the planet enough where liquid water could form. But it was very it would kind of form in a very patchy. Um, a very patchy. Uh, it was a very patchy visual, so to speak. So, like you, you'd see like basically more like lakes or smaller oceans uh, throughout the planet, but nothing like like you'd see on Earth. So it was it was just small spots throughout Mars that were covered in water, not um, not entirely. And it, uh, from what I read, it it seems like it could have been only centuries that water was present on Mars. Which is an interesting thought, you know. It's like, oh, we have all this evidence that in the sediment that there might have been water here, but it probably wasn't around for very long. Um, again, everything I'm saying is kind of an oversimplification. I'm not a scientist. <laughs> I'm just a, a astronomy geek in the sense that I follow the news, but I, I don't know how to do the fucking math. And you know, I understand the uh, the results, not the processes that allow us to get those results. Um, but it it is an interesting idea, and and again, we still don't really know the direct cause of it. It just seems to be one of the major, one of the main I, I ideas um, behind how this happened, uh, or how water used to exist on Mars. Um, but it does, you know, now that Perseverance landed on Mars and it successfully created oxygen on the planet. Uh, by converting the carbon the carbon dioxide in the atmosphere into oxygen, I think it created like ten grams of oxygen or something of that nature, which is amazing. The fact that it can do that, 
which proves that we can create self-sustaining colonies um, on Mars to an extent. I mean, if a little rover can create 10 grams of, of oxygen, what about a machine that is dedicated to specifically just doing that in like a dome structure? Then for sure, we can actually create habitats on Mars. Question is, why Why do we want to do that? Why would we do it? Just for the sake of exploration? I mean, you know, that's all fun and, and great, but, you know, spending billions of dollars just to build a dome city that didn't have to exist for absolutely any reason seems a little excessive at the moment. Um, I don't even know if Mars really has any valuable resources that would be of interest to us. See, I think like a like an American, clearly. I think like a like a shitty bureaucrat. Because I'm here thinking like, oh, what does Mars have to offer us that's worth, that's valuable? Instead of just going like, ah, oh, you know, exploration. Let's, let's go do it because that's what nature intended. It's for us to go into the unknown and, and continue to fuck each other and reproduce. Because that's, that's basically <laughs> life's only intention. Um, but, you know, I, 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 I'm not as excited about Mars as a lot of other people are. You know, a lot of people are excited about Mars. And it's like, oh, we get we get to go to Mars. We're going to colonize it. We're going to do stuff. And I'm like, it's not my, it's not an ideal planet to me. I look at it and I go, it's the only option that we have. Mars is basically Joe Biden. <laughs> it's like, we didn't really want him, but it was the only option we had. So we're sticking with it. But, you know, because your other option is Venus and... It's not exactly hospitable, um, but I actually would prefer Venus, uh, you know, if it didn't have the runaway greenhouse effect that it does. But Venus is 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 cooler because it's not literally, but you know, it's it's doper uh, as a result of the fact that um, it's basically the same as Earth in size and and um, and uh, what's the fucking word that I was just about to say and slipped out of my my head in uh, composition. It's the same in composition as Earth to an extent, um, which is something that I genuinely appreciate uh, that, <laughs> thank you, solar system, for giving us a planet that is very similar to our own. You know, I would, I would like to go to Venus, preferably, if it just wasn't a hellscape. There's got to be a way to terraform it. I mean, terraforming Venus is infinitely more difficult than terraforming Mars. So I understand why Mars is ideal. Um, but come on, man. <laughs> Venus has would probably have the same exact surf surface gravity as Earth. Very minor differences, I would assume. Um, if not nearly identical. It's almost the same size as Earth. Um, it and, and I mean that's really it. But you know, if that's that's enough for me to to to, to decide uh, and and say like, oh shit, you know, this is a perfect candidate for um for human settlements. Um, there are ideas people have posed for you know little um what do you call it cloud cities like in Star Wars because the atmosphere um, above the clouds is actually kind of hospitable and the temperatures are actually you know kind of nice with the exception of course that it's acidic as shit but you know yeah it's neither here nor there but you could have a cloud city in, on venus and that's 
That's fun. Right? You want to float around <laughs> for the rest of your life? That sounds like a neat deal. But I wouldn't want that to be like the permanent settlement that humans would build on Venus. I wouldn't want that to be the end-all be-all of Venus. I want that to be like a temporary... Um, I want that to be like temporary lodging <laughs> so that once once we actually figure out how to clear up the atmosphere of all these shitty clouds, we can uh, and we can actually, you know, start to make the surface a little more lively. Uh, but that's asking a lot. Um, but I can dream, can I? I, um, I don't know. I think it's an interesting idea. I'm also very intrigued by the idea of sending probes out to different star systems. And that's some, now that's science fiction shit. Sending fucking space probes to other stars. Seems like it should be, right? Well, you know, it seems like we're, we're on the cusp of it. Um, I remember when I was in high school, they announced a breakthrough star shot, which still has yet to happen. I don't know if it even will happen premise of that idea is basically take a whole bunch of little microchip modules, stick them to some solar sails, um, make hundreds of them, by the way, have them in orbit, release them in orbit, and then we fire lasers here on Earth uh, into the upper atmosphere where they are and beam them to, um, to the nearest star system, which would be Alpha Centauri. Um, Technically speaking, we could send it to the Proxima Centauri system. I don't know which star it was. I think it was Proxima Centauri that we wanted to send it to, which is a red dwarf that orbits the Office Centauri system. But I, uh, it would be interesting to uh, to see that. Um, basically, the idea is like you'd beam these things that like they would go at like ten percent of the speed of light. The speed of light uh, at the speed of light, it takes light four years, four point two light years. So yeah, four point two years to reach um, this star system. And it takes another 4.2 years for the light from there to reach us. You know, it's kind of how light years work. So the idea is we beam these things at 20% the speed of light. They should get there in like 20 years. And then they take a couple photos, send us the images, you know, back. They'd beam the images back to us. They'd get to us in four years because, um, you know, speed of light. And that's how communication works. Um, and so we'd receive that information in uh, four, yeah, almost four and a half years. And we'd see photos of another planetary system. It'd be all cool and shit. Uh, there are a couple of problems, like, you know, slowing down. <laughs> there really isn't. Remember, there's no air resistance in space. So thing when you get something to a speed, it doesn't just slow down, you know, if you want it to. You, there's no, there isn't a button you could press. It just goes stop. It, it just perpetually goes at that speed until it hits something or something hits it. Um, so it's it's all just inertia that essentially carries it at that point, you know. But there's nothing that blowing on it to stop it, like wind would, you know, on a car. Because if you take your foot off the the gas in a car, eventually it slows down over time. That doesn't happen in space. It just goes at whatever speed it was going at already. So slowing down is an interesting problem to, to get past. Because, um, you know, the, the ideal thing about these chips is they're tiny. So, you know, they can go really fast because 
they're not that big and it really isn't an issue accelerating something that small at that speed. But to slow it down, you'd probably need thrusters to to actually fire uh, to slow it down. And to include thrusters that are capable of doing that, they'd be immense. And then you probably wouldn't be able to send that thing at 20% the speed of light anymore. It wouldn't be able to go that fast since now you have giant thrusters attached to it to slow it down. So it is a problem. It is definitely an issue that we don't have a solution to. Um, what are you going to do? You know? <laughs> uh, there's so many There's so many different problems that we have to face as a species. I don't... I don't truthfully know what the hell we're going to do going forward, um, out, you know, in terms of space exploration and whatnot. It seems like, Mar like I said, it seems like Mars is the pinnacle of interest right now. Um, but I don't know if that's always going to be the case. And I'd like it not to be. But again, moving on to other topics. Oh, so yeah, actually here I'm reading back to what I was talking about before. It actually says here that New York will adopt CDC mass guidelines for the vaccinated. It says, quote, no mass, no social distancing, end quote. Governor Andrew Cuomo said of the policy that will go into effect on Wednesday. Uh, Cuomo, what have you fucking done? <laughs> but, um... Yeah, it seems like they really they really are lifting these mandates finally. I'm, I'm fucking glad. It says US vaccinations fully vaccinated are at 37%, at least one dose 47%. I wonder where they get those numbers. I'm actually curious about where they get those numbers. Cuz you know, some people might just getting might be getting the first dose but aren't and they might be registered under the first dose but I'm curious to see how many people are actually... I don't believe that. I feel like most people are getting their second dose if they're getting the first dose. I don't I don't see the, 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 the point of getting it at all if you're not going to get the second dose. So I don't know if I really believe that. I feel like that might be a... That might be a... a there might be a lot of context missing behind this study or this poll. But it says that. It says the center... The CDC said on Sunday about... 157.1 million people have received at least one dose of a COVID vaccine, including about 123 million people who have been fully vaccinated by Johnson & Johnson's single-dose vaccine or two-dose series made by Pfizer, BioNTech, and Moderna. More than 59% of adults have received at least one shot, and President Biden set a goal on May 4th of reaching 70% of adults by July 4th. Good luck with that, buddy. <laughs> Providers are administering about 1.89 million doses per day on average, about a 44% decrease from the peak of 3.38 million reported on April 13th. So yeah, it's going down. It seems like everybody, not a lot of people are getting vaccinated anymore. It just feels like everybody's like, ah, that, sh that COVID shit's over. That's old news. Let's talk about new news. <laughs> but I don't know, man. I don't know how I... You know, like every nobody's getting the fucking Johnson and Johnson. Obviously, it's at the lowest rate, but everybody's so fucking scared of those blood clots. Which it's like, out of the millions of people that got it, only like six people reported horrible blood clots, 
And I don't even know if any of them were fatal. I don't know if they died from that or not. I have to research that a little bit more. But I don't get it. It's so over, it's so it was blown so much out of proportion. You know, I I, I love the media because I, I like journalism. You know, it's kind of a, a little passion of mine. I love uh, people like Hunter S. Thompson. Um, you know, I I read a lot of his his books and whatnot, and I, I appreciate journalism of that fashion. But nowadays, it's just it feels so, it just feels so corporatized. Is that a word? I don't think it is. It just feels very bureaucratic. It feels like you know the. It feels corporate. It feels like the, these companies are just trying to get readers and, and actually don't give a shit about reporting information at, at its to its best decree. But, you know, I like the New York Times sometimes. But it seems... I don't know. It just seems like a lot of these these magazines are are picking up stories and blowing them out of proportion and scaring the masses when, when we... It, it really isn't beneficial in the long run to do that with like the Johnson and John and the Johnson and Johnson situation, for example, I'm not saying don't report on it, but every fucking news outlet picked it up and ran with it. Like it was a big story. And it's like, it's again, six people, God, <laughs> blood clots. Don't scare people into assuming that these vaccinations aren't safe, aren't safe, especially when you are these, you are, especially when you are companies that say that getting vaccines is important. You're contradicting yourself and you're you're uh, perpetuating an ideology that goes against your agenda. So I I don't know. I think it's it's silly that we're doing this uh that that people are it's just I don't know. I don't like it. I don't like it. I don't fucking like it. Uh, I don't like it when when you scare people like this, I mean, you know, it's, it's one thing to, to try and, and serve the public and inform them. And then it's another thing to completely misinform them and create mass hysteria or mass, or, or mass panic as a result of it. So I don't know. I, I think if you have the, listen, if you have the option to get the Johnson and Johnson shot, I suggest you get it personally. If you don't want to, that's okay. You you know, it's your choice. But at least get get another vaccine. At least get the Moderna or get the the Pfizer. You know, I, I got my first dose of the Moderna. I'm getting my second tomorrow. Um but I I just I, I personally think that, you know, just get the fucking Johnson and Johnson shot. Be a man. <laughs> like you know don't don't let the this 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 tiny percentile uh stop you from from getting a a vaccine like it shouldn't it shouldn't discourage you you'll be fine you know i you know i know you i'll have i know there's gonna be people going like oh, well those six people weren't fine it's like again six people out of millions <laughs> it's quite the uh it's quite the uh ratio that we're talking about so i don't know man i wouldn't stress it um but you know if i had the opportunity to get the johnson johnson one i would have gotten it i don't mind i'm cool with that 
Um, but I am happy to see that New Jersey is uh is doing pretty good you know i'm from jersey i live right next to new york and and it seems like most of the tri-state area at least on the east coast is actually getting vaccinated and they're they're doing most of their um you know they're doing what they're supposed to i appreciate that you can see numbers here i mean it shows you you know the rates at which people are getting at least one shot this is at least one dose and new jersey's doing great uh i noticed the more rural states are pretty low like Wyoming, Idaho, they're not really getting vaccinated. <laughs> they're not in a rush. Arkansas. Um, uh, Louisiana, Mississippi, Alabama, Georgia, Tennessee. I mean, I can't act like I'm not surprised, you know. Um, Texas, yeah, Texas is somewhere in, in that region. But yeah, it seems like Wyoming, Wyoming, man, is doing horrible. Fully vaccinated, 30.4%. Given at least one dose, 35.3%. Compare that to Jersey. Jersey is at, given at least one dose, 56.1%. And then fully vaccinated is 44.2%. So look, we're not doing too bad. We're not doing, we're doing, uh, we're doing all right. Not too shabby, not too shabby. But I, uh, I don't know, man. Bunch of who was eligible for a vaccine? Shouldn't everybody be eligible for a vaccine at this point? I assume they should be. Hmm. Um, I think we're we're doing pretty good, though. I think we're doing fine. I'm interested in these investigations um, into Wuhan. I heard that, I don't know, I didn't read too much into the, the story, but I heard that they're thinking about launching an investigation into the origins of the virus in Wuhan. I'm like, it's a little late for that, buddy. <laughs> like, If there was a cover-up, I, I, I would imagine you'd want to tackle that when it happened, not, you know, a fucking a year later. Once most of that, uh, any evidence of that being a cover-up is primarily gone. I'd like to, at least I think so, but I don't, I, I don't know, man. I don't really, I don't really subscribe to this whole, you know, like it's a, it was created in a lab, um, notion. I think it's a bunch of shit, honestly, but you never know. You never really do know. I mean, a lot of these things sound crazy until they come out on paper and then you're like, wow, you know, I guess I was wrong. So if they want to launch an investigation, sure. Although I think they had already done one prior to this. Um, but, you know, it's 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 really hard, I think, in my opinion, to get a straight answer from the Chinese government, even if you wanted to. Yeah, they're they're not going to be truthful if they if it doesn't benefit them. They're not going to go like, oh, yeah, we fucked up, by the way. Yeah, we're the reason that the world was out of order for a full year. Like a fucking vending machine that doesn't work. Like, you know, basically all of Earth closed, and I don't think China wants to be responsible for that, given that we already know that it originated there. You know, they don't want to be like, ah, if there's even an inkling of truth to that, it was in a, it was made in a, in a lab, then, you know, you don't want to, yeah, nobody wants to take the fucking blame for that. 
So they're gonna they're gonna cover it up. I mean, this is how it is. I like again though. I don't I don't really think it was it was that. Uh, to me, it sounds a little a little a little kooky, but um, uh, you know, I don't I don't know. It does sound cuckoo to me, but to some people, it sounds perfectly reasonable. So I don't know. I don't I don't I don't really think the origin of the virus at this point is completely important. I mean it is, but I don't think it's really the factor that we should be worrying about as much. I think it's really the cleanup that's important. You know. I like to I, I sometimes I liken it to uh, Chernobyl. Uh it's like, you know, it doesn't really at this point it doesn't really matter how Chernobyl happened, how the the reactor exploded. It's, what matters is that you clean it up and that we make sure that it doesn't fuck up the landscape. That's what's important. So, you know, priorities. That's what I'm trying to say. Um, which, by the way, I, I recently just watched that Chernobyl miniseries. It is fucking fantastic. It is really good. I I don't know who wrote that show, but I, I want to suck their dick. Like, that was such a good fucking show. It really was. It really was. Like, I, I know some of it's probably bullshit. Like, I know a lot of that bureaucratic nonsense is... <laughs> it's a bunch of bullshit. No, no, nobody went up to the, the Soviet court and then proceeded to talk shit about the Soviet government. No Soviet would have done that. So I don't think they, you know, they wouldn't have put it themselves in the public eye. That does that didn't happen. But you know, there are there are things in that show that I do like. But anyway, that's that's beside the point. It's just a good show. If you have the, if you have an opportunity and you haven't seen it, it's like five episodes. It's a mini series. It's just it's just five episodes. That's it. It's um it's like an hour per episode, and it's on HBO. Uh, so you can go binge it. It's really fucking good. Um, what's his face? Skarsgård. Stellan Scar Stellan Skarsgård is in it. I think that's his name. He's that dude that plays the the. The crazy doctor guy or astrophysicist. I don't know what his job title is, but he plays that crazy guy in Thor and Thor 2 and the Avengers and whatnot. Um, Dr. Selvig or whatever, Selvage, whatever his name is. But I think it's important to, um, I think it's important to, to, to tell people where, I, actually, I completely forgot what point I was going to make there. Fuck, man. I need to lay off that dope. <laughs> but, um, oh man, I don't know. It's been an interesting ride as of late. And, uh, life is really fucking weird lately. It's just, it's, it's taken such a weird fucking toll. Here I am talking about a show that came out two years ago and I just watched it because there was literally nothing else to do in the past year. Everybody was just sitting at home, staring at their TV the vast majority of this year. Streaming services have exploded in value. I mean, more so than they were already valuable. Now they're triple that. Um, I don't know if the theater industry is going to survive this. I don't know. I, I you know, I, I, I watch, um, I watch Red Litter Media, which is, um, it's a pretty good YouTube channel. It's pretty funny. You guys should check it out if you, if you don't already. They're pretty popular. And uh, Mike, one of the guys on on there, he was he was talking about how multiplexes should probably die, <laughs> and the only theaters that should be left are like the small little art house theaters, you know, that 
that uh that premiere and show you movies that nobody wants to watch <laughs> these little art house films that just a bunch of old people come to go watch i mean truthfully i, I wouldn't be against that experience i don't know if multiplexes are going to go out at any point um but i don't i'm not completely against that notion they're very expensive and they do kind of kill the market for smaller films because all you're seeing now are just fucking superhero movies every time you go to the theater and they're really strangling the competition i don't know i like superhero movies i like comic books i have a whole bunch of them i read comics actively my favorite superhero or marvel character or favorite fictional superhero i don't whatever the fuck you want to describe it as my favorite character is moon knight i love that guy he's great he's a good guy <laughs> so um he's a he's a decent person um but i you know i i, I appreciate those films i appreciate a lot of what they do I, and I, I love the fact that you know a lot of these the imagine the imagination that goes into making these things um but they really do kind of fuck over the smaller films um and it's not even a fair fight like it's not even a fair competition they're just they're killing them they're actively strangling you know these small movies which i think a lot of people should should watch you know a lot of these small indie films a lot of these um uh, a24 films if you if you would but a24 is like the popular indie uh studio like they're like they're the they're the top tier ones like you know every fucking white dude in america <laughs> knows about a24 it's like i i like their movies too you know they're really good but they're they're like the they're like the mainstream indie films so their films are always going to get exposure their shows are always going to get exposure you know it's not it's not really even a competition but it's it's more so like the other films the films that aren't being produced by a24 they're being produced by companies that are you know that aren't household names that aren't well known um and they aren't getting the the spotlight that they should um and i think streaming services really also hurt hurt that uh the ability for those those um those shows and movies to really make an impact i think uh because everything is curated based on your your preferences now so it's hard for you to find new shit that might challenge your perspective you know especially when it's an algorithm curating what, what it is that you see I think it's really important sometimes to just watch things that um, you didn't really intend to in the first place, or maybe just trying to trying new things that you you otherwise wouldn't. You know, one of my favorite movies of all time is um, is Inside Lewin Davis. I love Inside Lewin Davis. It's such a good it's such a good fucking movie. It's probably my my favorite film of all time. And I was introduced to that film by a buddy of mine when I was uh, sleeping on his couch after I got kicked out of my house. <laughs> years ago but i um i remember i remember laying on on the couch you know after i got kicked out of my house and my buddy goes you know i have a movie that i really like it's one of my favorites and i think you might like it and i was already like hesitant i was like ah, i don't i don't want to watch the fucking movie right now i'm not in the best of moods he's like ah, i think you like it just just try it so he put it on he put on um inside lewin davis with oscar isaac it's a coen brothers movie and i remember sitting there watching it and i 
and I fell in love with this movie. It was like a, it was like looking at, laying eyes on a beautiful woman for the first time and just knowing that that's 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 the one, you know. And that's how I felt with this movie, you know. I was I was it's like I was looking across the booth in a diner and and there she was. And it was uh, it was a gorgeous experience. It's such a good movie to me, you know. I I love it. I think it it, it speaks on so many different scales as to as it's able to convey its message in such a unique way, such a nuanced way. And, and I, I, I managed to have that experience thanks to a buddy of mine who just suggested it to me. And I get, I guarantee you that on my own, I would have never watched that movie. I would have never, I could have scrolled past it and I would have never clicked on it. And I know myself cause I know myself. I know I wouldn't have. And um, I probably wouldn't have even have heard of it or even read the title, <laughs> mind you. So, you know, the fact that my buddy kind of curated that experience for me and not an algorithm uh, truthfully benefited that, um, that experience. And I think that's something that Netflix and HBO Max and Hulu really lack is, is the ability to... Uh, give you new experiences that that uh, challenge your preferences. It's good to have preferences, you know. That's that's not, that's not. I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but I think it's it's a little harmful when you just let your preferences dictate your what you watch and what you experience entirely. You know, you never leave your comfort zone. You never try anything new. I think I think that's when. Um, I think that's when movies start to change and that's when movies stop being cinema and they start being content. And, uh, you know, we have such a short attention span now that I'm even surprised we're still making movies, <laughs> but it's, um, I, you know, I'd love, I, I would love for people to still, you know, anytime you meet a buddy out there, just recommend movies to him, suggest them. You know, I'm doing that with the 54 with music and whatnot to get people to really discover things that they may have never heard before, even if they are mainstream music. To some people, it doesn't matter if it's mainstream, they never heard it. Um, and with film, it's a very similar experience. It's, you know, recommend something that to, just to a buddy. If you if you really love your, your friends, <laughs> recommend something to them that you know they might enjoy. Um, or even if you don't, just do it, you know. That happened with me in um, the movie Silence as well. I love the movie Silence. It's such a good movie. It's such a good movie. It's so fucking good. Um, and I remember I, I, I had a love for film from a very young age. So my favorite um, movie growing up, or the first piece of cinema that I can say that I fell in love with as a child um, was To Kill a Mockingbird. I don't know if I should consider myself a child. I was like 12 or 13 when I watched the movie, but you know, that's a, that's, that's kid enough. You know, <laughs> I remember seeing it cause I had read the book in class and, um, I fell in love with that story. I, I think it's ironic. Me and Harper Lee share the same birthday, which is April 28th. Um, but I, I love that book. I love Atticus. And I've, I even told myself like, if I ever have a kid, I want Atticus to be that kid's middle name. <laughs> I will fight whoever I, whoever my wife or girlfriend is. And I'll just be like, no, we're, we're naming that, that kid's middle name is Atticus. It's, it's going to happen. But I, I love that character. And, um, 
And I remember um, just there were so many themes beautifully explored in that book in, in such a such a respectable, honorable way. And it the characters were so well written and fleshed out. And then I remember being told there was a film that was made in 1960 or 19. No, sorry. It was made in 1962, I believe, is when the film came out. You might be wrong about that. But I remember being told that and immediately like pulling back. Like, ah, I don't want to watch a movie from the 1960s, black and white. Are you kidding me? But it really did open. Um, it opened this book for me in a sense. It really opened up this world of cinema for me because I had watched black and white films prior to that. You know, my parents are a little older, so. I grew up with, you know, a lot of this old media. You know, I grew up watching old 70s sitcoms like Good Times and Maud, uh, which are spinoffs of, of each other. But, um, but I, 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 you know, the Perry Mason, I grew up watching. So it's, you know, I was used to old media, but I, I didn't seek it per se, especially at that age. You know, you're, you're a kid. You want to see explosions and shit. Um, but I sat down and I watched it. Um, or I saw clips of it on YouTube. And then I asked my mom if we could go to Target to go look for a Blu-ray. Because that's how it was back then, kids. It was a simpler time when I go buy Blu-rays. I mean, I remember being a kid and buying, going out and buying VHSs, you know. But now it even feels like Blu-rays are becoming obsolete, which is fucking insane to me. But anyhow, we went to Target. And we found the, I believe it was at the time, I believe it was the 50th anniversary edition because I, I was 13, that was 2012. So yeah, 50th, 1962, yeah, 50th, 50th anniversary edition of the, um, of the movie. It was, it was uh, fucking 50 years. I, can't, I couldn't believe it <laughs> since the film had come out. And on the cover of the, the Blu-ray is a, a color photo of Gregory Peck, even though it's not a color version of the film, it's just, uh, Gregory Peck is in color on the cover for some reason. Um, and I watched the movie and I fucking fell in love with that movie as a kid. It was the first piece of cinema that I watched as a child and I could admire and really love. And I watched that movie over and over and over again. And um, and this is, again, this was around the same time we were reading. I was reading the book in class. So I remember we finished reading the book and I went up to my teacher and I said, Hey, um, I actually have a copy of the movie. So if we, if you'd like, I could bring it in and we could watch it on the smart board. Um, for you kids who don't know what a smart board is, it's a board that's smart. <laughs> but we, we uh, put it on the smart board, which is, you know, basically a projector as well. And so they projected it onto the screen. And I was watching enticingly. And I was very excited to see the entire class um, react to this um, to this movie. I wanted to see how they would they would view it, um, given how much I enjoyed it. And a couple people were watching, but you know they're thirteen year olds. So you can't expect a lot of them <laughs> to uh, to actually give a shit. And and some of them were just making noise. Some of them were making fun of the shit that was going on screen, you know. And it really it really bothered me. And that's when I realized that I was a an asshole. <laughs> That's when I realized that was a smug asshole because I was sitting there going like I I'm I'm being I'm infuriated by you know, my fellow 13-year-olds who can't take a film from 1962 seriously. 
Well, that's what I realized. I was uh, I was destined for greatness. <laughs> um, but it is it is it did it did. I remember that just fucking uh, it fucking angered me so much. Just the kids laughing at that fucking movie. It's such a good movie, man. But you know they, they were kids at the time, so but so was I. So fuck them. <laughs> that's 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 the best way. That's the the healthy way of dealing with that. It's like, ah, you know, well, they were children, but so was I. So I was equal to them. So fuck them. That's that's my logic. Um, but yeah, it was. I remember that. It was such a good film. But yeah, basically that entire that entire story was just to, for me to tell you, like, hey, go recommend your buddies some good movies. And uh, and tell Netflix to shut the fuck up. Like I don't, I don't, <laughs> I don't want your recommendations. Um, but yeah. Anyhow, guys. Um, I think I should I should pull this this episode to a close. I think we did what we were supposed to. Um, <laughs> I um. I I think I'm gonna come back on today's. Tuesday, I believe, right? Yeah. So I think either tomorrow, which is a little too soon, or Friday, I'm going to do, be doing another episode with Chase. Um, and I'm going to try and get my buddy Laz on because he's, he's barely on these fucking episodes. That lazy cunt, man. <laughs> I'm going to get shit for saying cunt. I don't give a fuck. It's a fun word to say. Um, and I'm calling a man a cunt, so it doesn't have the same vigor that it should. The same The same spice. Um, but yeah, I'm going to try and get him to, to come on the, um, the podcast cause he's supposed to, he's supposed to be third Mike. Um, and so, yeah, man, I, um, I'm, I'm very, I'm really excited to see, uh, I'm really excited for you guys to see where, where this podcast is really heading. We really are trying to make the production value a little better and, and, and it's been improving as time goes on. You now have a, an actual professional microphone in front of my fucking face. So that's always good. <laughs> and, uh, and I am trying to get a studio together or at least something, a semblance of one, you know, I, um, I do want to do these kinds of things in person and I, and I, I genuinely do care for this format and I want to respect it as much as I can. You know, it's, things are limited now cause I'm a 22 year old with, you know, um, only limited resources. Uh, but you know, hopefully that changes at some point and, uh, hopefully I'm not broadcasting from a dirty ass fucking room like the one I'm in right now. So regardless of that, guys, um, take care of yourselves, stay safe, get vaccinated for the love of fucking God, please get vaccinated. Uh, please follow the news very closely. Pay attention to this whole Palestine issue going on. It really is important. And, um, Stay safe, stay curious, and uh, let's go to Venus together. <laughs> Fuck it, am I right? Anyhow, guys, take care.